This morning, I, was, uh, I had a couple of different messages. I was going to talk about, maybe I'll still use these titles in the future, What Goes Up Must Come Down. That's a good title, isn't it? And, uh, and I had another one. Um, but uh, today, <laughs> I can conquer the day. <laughs> this is our, our um, sports camp theme, and I happen to do the uh, Friday uh, little devotional thing, and we did it on, of course, David facing Goliath. Now, this, this story of David and Goliath is, you know, it's one of those that we are used to, we've heard, we've, we, you know, many times we, we, we kind of have this, you know, kid's picture of this guy, you know, David running and throwing a stone and hitting a guy in the forehead and he falls down, lucky break, you know. But Whenever we start looking at how this, this whole scenario and how that the, the person of David uh, comes into being and how that he matures from being this shepherd boy out and uh, watching the sheep to being king of Israel, it, it is really a great, it's a transition, it's a transformation that takes place in someone who was not expected to amount to much. <laughs> he was not expected to be anything, really. Uh, whenever the Samuel, the prophet, came to the house of Jesse to anoint one of his sons to be king, uh, of course, he did this secretly because if Saul found out about it, he, kills, he would kill the, the one that was anointed and he would kill Samuel. But anyhow, he goes to the house of Jesse and he's going to anoint one of, the, one of his eight sons to be king. And Jesse brings seven <laughs> boys before, uh, he, you know, before the prophet and Samuel goes to each one, and it's like, you know, he gets to the, the seventh one, and he says, none of these are it. Do you have another one? Oh, yeah, he's nothing. <laughs> he's nothing. He's just out. He's just, he's just a ruddy kid. He's out watching the sheep. He's the one that gets the, you know, nobody else is, you know, willing to go out there. We send out the littlest one. That's how it was. You have to watch sheep. Send the littlest guy out. So David is out watching sheep. So Jesse, his own father, you look at this, Jesse, the father, doesn't think David is going to amount to much. Okay? Well, then in chapter 1 Samuel 17, we have the kings are at war. Okay? The Philistines and... Uh, and Saul's army are at war. Now, in the first section, it talks about how that they go to what is called Oak Valley. Now, in those days, um, when you went to war, you, would, you, you, you went there, you camped out, you brought all your stuff, you brought your, your flocks and your herds and everything, because you don't know how, many long, how long you're going to be there. And so when they came to go to war, of course, you only went to war in the morning. You didn't attack it three in the afternoon, <laughs> you would go to war in the morning. So what happens is there's this valley called Oak Valley, and it, maybe it's like uh, this hilltop and, and the hilltop over on, you know, on the other side of Wimber. You know, you've got this, these two hills, and there's this valley in the ground, you know, between. And what happens is at 8 o'clock in the morning, whatever, at a certain time, all the people get dressed up in their armor, and they go out to fight. So one army is on one side and one army is on the other. And they all stand up there and they all bang on their shields. You ever watch um, Gladiator? Ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh. Okay, anyhow, 
<laughs> they beat on their shields and they yell the battle cry, and we're going to kill you guys. Yeah, we're going to do all this. And so they were on one side and the enemy was on the other. First thing we need to remember, don't go to war and camp there. <laughs> don't camp out where your troubles are. If you're going, you're, going to have to, you're going to have to go to battle, but you don't have to live there. Right? You don't live where you have conflict. You find the conflict, you find a way to get it. Well, the next section, verse, six, verse 4. A giant, now in my version of the Message Bible, it says he's almost 10 feet tall. In the, message, in the version we used on Friday, I had to say nine foot because in Rhonda's commentary, it said nine foot. Okay, so this is guy, he's nine foot tall. But in mine, he says that he's 10. Dylan! Come here, my boy. <laughs> Stand up there. Need a hand? Goliath is that big to me. What do you think he is to a 14, 15-year-old ruddy boy who is peach fuzz? Okay? So then you pull this guy out of the army over there. He's got a shiny brass helmet. You know, one of the kids, uh, uh, I said, now how would you defeat a guy like this? And the little guy's up here, said, I'll kick him in the shins. <laughs> I said, well, I don't think that'll work. He had brass shin guards on. He had, his spear was like a, you see those log rail fences, you know? His spear was like a log rail fence, and I think the tippet was 15 pounds. That's what he carried around. He had a shield bearer. He had all that. So this is one massive guy. And so, you want to stand there the whole time? No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> He's a good guy. Come on down. That's good. I just wanted you to get an idea how big 10 feet is. That, that's literally about 10. He's 6 foot 8 Going on seven foot two. <laughs> no, he isn't. <laughs> How tall are you? Six, two and a half, somewhere up there. When I was his size, I was seven foot. <laughs> that's a Bob Paris, Paris uh, joke there. When I was your, you know, ask the, the children how old they are. Well, I'm 13. Well, when I was your age, I was 21, you know? So. So, Goliath steps out. So you got these two opposing armies, and then you have this guy who the, they just kind of open up, and out steps Goliath. Okay? Now, this isn't a fictitious uh, fire camp story. These are, he is, he is known as um, Goliath from Gath. He has a destination. And I'll, I'll jump ahead a little bit. David picks up how many stones? Five. Why does, why does David pick up five stones? Huh? He's got four other brothers. I always thought, well, he picked up five in case he missed the first time, he'd have another one. You know, that was my thought. But it wasn't that. His, his helmet uh, was, uh, was a, a, you know, okay, if you ever watch those, um, 
like the Roman soldiers and stuff, they have those helmets and they have those plumes, things on top. What it is, is you shine up all of your armor so that when people look at you, you appear bigger than what you are. So you want to instill fear in the other people. Well, Goliath instilled fear just for his own physical size, but then you put on top of him all of this bronze and shiny stuff. His armor weighed 126 pounds. Anybody here weigh 126 pounds? <laughs> Nobody's going to ask. One little, one little girl said, that, uh, that lets out my mother. <laughs> she said that right she said, That lets out my mother. <laughs> you know, so kick him in the shins. And, you know, my mom weighs more than 126 pounds. So <laughs> I didn't go there and I didn't tell her mother that she said that. Yeah. So the tip on his spear weighed 15 pounds. So he is uh, he's one big dude. Now, this about eight, verse 8. Goliath stood there and called out to the Israelite troops, Why bother using your whole army? Am I not Philistine enough for you? Goliath called out the army of Israel. Okay? Remember this. The enemy of your soul does not make the terms for how you're going to fight your battle. The enemy has no say over who you are or what you will be. Don't listen to the enemy of your soul because it's, con it's condemning, it's guilt-ridden, it's failure, you're never going to be good enough. I used the story, and I've used it before, that uh, the monkeys in the cage, they, they put four monkeys in a cage and a pole in the middle and bananas at the top. And the monkey would, they would look in there, oh, they all love bananas, so the first one up the pole, it gets doused with water. <laughs> okay? Second one runs up the pole, it gets doused with water. All, of four, all four monkeys had, were afraid to go up the pole because they were going to get doused with water. So the experiment went, take one monkey out, bring in one that was never doused. It goes to go up the pole, the other three pull it down. You can't go up there. You're going to get hurt. So eventually, they traded out all the monkeys that had been doused with water, and they filled the cage with I don't know how many, and every one of those monkeys wouldn't climb the pole because they were afraid of what was there, but they didn't know why they were afraid. Every time we tell ourselves, you can't do, I can't do, I'm not good enough, I can't make it, that's a monkey pulling you down. <laughs> okay? That's something of your past that tells you if you do that, you're going to get hurt. You're going to be disappointed. You're not going to make it. That is, that's the enemy. That is like Goliath telling them, okay, I'm here, I'm big, I can kill anybody, send somebody out to fight me. Because if that person kills me, we'll be your slaves. If I kill them, uh, you'll be our slaves. Fair, by, fair battle, right? <laughs> no. He wanted, him, he wanted people to fight him on his terms. Nobody could fight Goliath on his terms. No one could match him toe-to-toe. -to -toe. So the obstacles that are before us, obstacles, problems, people, job, person, illness, a feeling, 
Whatever the obstacle is, that does not set the tone for the battle. God and his word in you set the tone for what you're going to be, who you're going to become, what you're going to do with your life. God is the one who is going to give you what you need in your heart to be able to go forward. So, Goliath says, I challenge the troops of Israel this day. Give me a man and let us fight it out together. He wants to have a fair fight. (laughs) The enemy of our soul never does anything fair. If you are tricked into believing (laughs) that the enemy of your soul is fair, you're wrong. Always the enemy of your soul is going to try and stack the deck using a gambling term. (laughs) He's going to stack the deck against you. He's going to, you know, he will use your past. He will use your failures. He will use your history. He will use your family. He will use everything to discredit where you want to be and where you want to go. The enemy has no rights over your life. Addictions, difficulties, problems, the enemy has no right, no ownership of your life. Amen. (laughs) All right. So, verse 11. When Saul and his troops heard the Philistines' challenge, they were terrified and lost hope. (laughs) Now, question is, when you camp in the valley of the battle and allow the enemy to dictate the terms, you will become terrified at what they tell you, and you will lose the ability to think straight. You will lose hope. Now, so, verse 12. (laughs) Enter David. Sounds like a, whoa. (laughs) Wow, here comes David. He comes dancing in. Uh, (laughs) The most unlikely person who is going to help in this situation is this ruddy kid who is of no value, well, he has value, but very little value in his family, and he's bringing food to his brothers, and he's been doing so for a number of days, but he never gets there when all the excitement happens. You know, everybody's kind of gone back to their tents and so on by the time David arrives. So... He is Jesse's, and he's going there to find Jesse's sons, and uh, his three older brothers, three oldest brothers are there, and they are Eliab, Abinadad, and Shammah. So David went there, and he would go back and forth bringing food to to his brothers, uh, but he never got their time of the battle. But verse 16 says, Each morning and evening for 40 days, Goliath took his stand and made his speech. Now, They've been there 40 days. 40 days, they get up in the morning, put all their battle gear on, everybody stands on the side of the hill, ready for battle, bang on their shields, yell and scream at each other, and Goliath steps out, curses them, curses their God, and everybody goes back and says, well, I'm not going to do anything today. (laughs) They were all waiting for one or the other to make a mistake. They wouldn't do anything. They thought the battle was out of their hands. So, one day, Jesse told David, uh, his son, take the sack of cracked wheat and those ten loaves of bread, run them down to your brothers in the camp, 
and take these 10 wedges of cheese to the captain of their division. He's bribing the captain of the division to make sure his sons stay safe in the battle. And he wants to know, David, go find out what's going on with your brothers and in the battle. So there was no battle. They were all just camping out there waiting for somebody else to make a mistake. Well, verse 20. David was up at the crack of dawn, having arranged for someone to feed and tend the flock. He took the food and away, and away he was, and just as Jesse had directed him, he arrived at the camp, just as the enemy and the Israelites were moving into battle. And they were shouting their war cry. Wow, what a fabulous sight. Thousands of men on both sides of the hills, <laughs> hollering, screaming at each other, insults and banging on their shields and, you know, screaming at each other back and forth, and out steps the Goliath. <laughs> so, so the only fight, oh, that's what I said, the only fight at 8 a.m., um, while they were talking together, the Philistine camping Goliath, he comes out. And what's different here is David hears Goliath. Now, evidently, he has not heard Goliath's speech. <laughs> He'd always arrived too late or so on. But this day, he's not going to be too late. He listens to what the enemy has to say. The challenge for us is to, we always hear what the enemy has to say. But do we hear what the Word of God says to us? Hmm. See, what is God telling to us? I am more than conqueror. <laughs> All things work together for good. See, when we start looking at situations and putting ends to the situations that we don't really know, we become frightened, we become afraid, we lose hope. But we always keep before us what the Word of God says, and God will take us to a point. He will take us to where we need to be, and we do not allow the enemy of our soul to dictate what the terms are for the battle. So David heard Goliath. And the Israelites, to a man, when they saw the giant, every one of them stepped back. Almost, it's almost like that cartoon where the general says, I want to volunteer, and everybody steps back, and one, one person didn't get the message. You know, he's there, he's there. whoa, I didn't mean to be out here. Everybody falls back. Nobody wants to be considered the, the brave man to go fight the battle. So there was, in trying to talk themselves into courage, talk what's going on, the king promises, okay, I'll make a deal with anyone. Anyone who goes and fights this man, I will give him a huge reward. He can marry my daughter, and he'll never have to pay taxes again in his life, he and his family. Sound good? You going? Nope. <laughs> so the king's trying to bribe people into, into uh, courage. Well, David, who was talking with the men uh, who were standing around, this is verse 26. What's in it for the man who kills, the, and kill, kills this Philistine? What's it? David asked again, well, did I hear you right? What is it that the guy gets that goes and kills the, 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 the Goliath? Well, you get to marry the king's daughter, you get a lot of money, and your family never has to pay taxes. Well, who does he think he is? This is what David says. After he heard what Goliath said, after he heard what the reward was, then he comes back and he says, who does Goliath think he is anyway? 
He is this uncircumcised Philistine taunting the armies of God alive. Key, key point, uncircumcised, meaning he is not part of a covenant with God. He has no say over the armies and the nation that is dedicated to God. You see, you have a covenant with God. God made a covenant with you. It isn't a contract. Contract is between two equal parties and we agree on it. We don't agree on this covenant. God has made the covenant. If you pray, I will answer. If you believe, I will do. If you ask, you shall receive. If you knock, the door will be opened. That's the covenant that God has. If you confess your sins, they are forgiven. You see, this is a covenant by God, and David says to this uncircumcised Philistine, you haven't got a prayer because you're God's. And we see later where Goliath, you know, curses David in the name of his God's. And David is saying, your God's are made of stone and wood. Our God is the God alive of heaven. Hmm. All right. So... I'm hurrying along. <laughs> you could tell, right? I slowed down. <laughs> He's in a hurry now. He slowed down. All right. The first thing that, one of the things, the second, third, fourth point here again, is um, who is over you emotionally? See, here is Eliab, David's older brother. David's older brother, <laughs> who had witnessed himself being overlooked by the prophet Samuel, that he would go and anoint this little ruddy kid, the king, doesn't look too favorably upon his brother. Eliab says in verse 28, heard David fraternizing with the men and he lost his temper. <laughs> what are you doing here? Why aren't you minding your own business? Why aren't you looking after those scrawny flock of sheep that you're supposed to be looking after. Why aren't you out there doing this? I know what you're up to, you little rat. You've come down here to see the sights, hoping a, a ringside seat for a bloody battle. That's what you're up to, you little scumbag. Get out of here. <laughs> I added a few things there. <laughs> And David, say, and, and, his, and David says to his brother, what is it with you? <laughs> All I did was ask a question. And then here's the point. Ignoring his brother. When people put you down because they think they know who you are, you've got one job to do. And the word is ignore. <laughs> Ignore the people who try to put you in your place because they are intimidated by who you are. You're a scrawny little kid who watches sheep, but somebody has said is very special and will be king. Like fun, over my dead body he'll be king. <laughs> the things David was saying, oh, what, what is it with you? He goes on, talks about that. He turned to someone else and asked the same question and got the same answer. What is it we're going to get? You're going to get the Mary the king's daughter. You're going to get a lot of money, and you don't have to pay taxes. Oh, okay. The, the things that David was saying were picked up. So David now, 
he hears what's going on with the reward, but he also, he also looks at this uncircumcised Philistine is picking on God. And from where David stood and his relationship with God, he knew that this wasn't right. So, <laughs> David was the only guy in the whole camp that was saying something positive. Everybody else was afraid. Word of somebody with courage made its way quickly to Saul, the king. Hey, we got, we got somebody who has courage. We have someone who is saying that Saul, I mean that uh, Goliath, doesn't have a place here in, our, in, our, in this battle. We got somebody who will do something. Oh, bring him here. Bring him here. Okay. And so he brought in David, you know, and the king probably his jaw dropped to the floor. Uh, Master, said David, he says this to Saul, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight this Philistine. <laughs> Saul said to David, you can't go and fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced, and he's been at this fighting business before you were born. There's always a list of reasons why you can't win. There's always a list of things that we can come up with that says to us, you're not good enough, you can't make this, you're not experienced enough, you know, there's a boss, there's a king, there's an owner, there's someone who will always tell you what you can't do. See, the first one told him who he wasn't. You're a scrawny kid. You know, you know, you know, good. Second one is telling him, you're not qualified. There's no way you can do this. David said, I've been a shepherd. I fought the lion and the bear. I took the lamb out of the lion's mouth. Oh, boy. Now, is this a, is this a braggart little kid who has <laughs> uh, visions of egos and dreams and stuff in his head, or did he do this? Well, the king is so anxious to find somebody who will go to battle who will believe anything. But you see, David was an expert with a sling. And, you know, I watched some of those uh, programs talk about ancient battles and ancient war, things of war. And they talk about the slingshot and how that in 20 yards or so it has almost the same effect as a bullet. Because the slingshot can be long and you're building up all that force and you can, if you're really good at it, you can hit the bullseye all the time. So David evidently had lions and bears come to those uh, after his sheep. He takes them down. He kills them and rescues the lamb. Well, then he says, and out after he talks about the lion and bear, he says, I'll do the same thing to this Philistine pig who is taunting the troops of God alive. God who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. Sometimes we have to stand up with what we believe against the odds and against the difficulties. Now, this isn't a make-believe situation where we say, well, you know, I can do anything, you know. No, you, God will prepare you here in your heart and mind to do the battle, do the thing, conquer the thing that's in front of you. So we have to listen to that and know that God is leading us in this, in this battle. So Saul, people, and this is where Saul comes in and says he's trying to make David like him. Okay, if you're going to do battle, you can wear my helmet, you can wear my armor, 
You can, he's hoping for somebody to go down there that maybe they'll go and rescue the kid and we'll finally get a war going on where we can do battle. So the king wants something to happen. He can't be there much longer. He's been here 40 days. Supplies are running out. People are becoming demoralized. Send the kid in. <laughs> so dresses him in his armor. People try to make you what you're not. Try to prepare you to do things the way they would do it. And David says, can't do it. It doesn't fit. So David took up his staff, selected five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his shepherd's pack with his sling in his hand and approached Goliath. Now, the third thing in this little character, Goliath is bigger, Goliath is better, Goliath is more powerful, and he's been doing this a lot longer. So the opponent sometimes is just really big. <laughs> and, and in the natural, you can't take him on. Recognizing the battle for what it is, the battle and the person you are taking on just totally fills up the sky and you are a ruddy kid. That's the truth. But you see, David wasn't looking at it as a soldier facing another soldier. David was seeing it as he serving the God of the angel armies and, this, and he was in covenant with God. And Goliath, he, has no, he doesn't have a leg to stand on. He doesn't have a covenant. He doesn't have an agreement. I do. That's where David turned the tide. So the Philistine, he's pacing back and forth, and he took one look down through the valley. There's Goliath looking down through the valley, and here's this ruddy kid. He didn't even see him coming off the hill. <laughs> he's down in the middle of the valley, and he, he gets mad. And he goes, what are you doing? I'm I a dog that you would come after me with a stick, you know? I, I'm a man of war, and you come at me with this ruddy kid. He cursed him. He cursed David by his God. Come on, said the Philistine. I'll take, I'll make you roadkill. <laughs> I like that one. I'll make you roadkill. I will flatten you so bad that you'll be like a, a rabbit run over by a tractor trailer. It is roadkill time for you, boy. David answered, well, you know, no, he didn't do that. He said, you come at me with a sword and with a spear and a battle axe. See, David wasn't blind to what was happening. When you have faith, you don't have blind faith. You have faith that understands the obstacles, and yet you still move forward. You understand that there are difficulties. You understand that there are problems. I have a very real God, and I have a very real problem. And I will approach this as I am part of the covenant with God. He has made an agreement with me that wherever I am, he is. Whatever I do, he will be there. He will go before me. So, you come at me with a spear, a sword, and a battle axe. I come at you in the name of the God of the angel armies. Book of Revelation says we overcome the devil by blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of Jesus Christ 
covers us. And the blood of Christ, the devil himself cannot trample on the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ covers you and surrounds you. You are encompassed by the power of God because you are in covenant with him, with God. So whenever you fight your battles and wherever you go, God is with you. And God says he will have favor upon you and upon what you do and that he will guide your steps and he will walk with you and be your God and you will be his child. Amen. This very day, God is handing you over to me. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut off your head and serve up your body to the bodies of your Philistine buddies, to the crows and the coyotes. You see, Goliath said he's going to make him roadkill. David says, nah, I'm taking you down and your whole army is going to go down with you. The whole, and the reason for this is the whole earth will know that there is an extraordinary God in Israel. And everyone gathered here will learn that, the God, that God doesn't save by means of a sword and a spear. The battle belongs to God. He's handing you to us on a plate. <laughs> you see... David wasn't talking about, I'm going to take you down. No, that God, who is with me, is greater than those that are with you. God and you are a majority. That aroused the Philistine. This guy, he got him to go down, I'm going to make roadkill out of him, I'll step on him. And he started toward David, and David took off. Not running away from, but running to. David reached into his pocket for a stone. He slung it in the Philistine and hit the Philistine hard in the forehead, embedding the stone deeply. He crushed his skull. With his stone, he crushed his skull. <laughs> you know, the enemy comes with all of their armor. But the enemy always has a weakness. <laughs> and God will give you the wisdom, the knowledge, the guidance, the strength, whatever it is, to find it. And you'll be able to take that enemy down. Whether it's a, a problem, a character flaw, a person, a business, a job, whatever, God will give you the wisdom to take down the enemy of your soul and the enemy of your life. And, the, and that will come at the very unique way of a stone in a sling on a ruddy kid who is supposed to be a nobody in Israel. You see, if you think you're a nobody, that's a start because God will use you to take you from a nobody to a somebody. And remember this. The size of the battle determines the size of the victory. David was an unknown person. He was a kid watching sheep whose father didn't even think him good enough to come in to see the prophet. But this one situation took David from being a kid to being a national hero 
and put him on the national scale. And eventually, he becomes king. Goliath, his greatest problem, his greatest battle, took him to his greatest level of who he was to become. So our battles, they are there to try and defeat us. But it's not because there's something wrong with us. It's that God is going to take us to a new level of who we are to be in him and a new place of confidence. And the scripture I will close with, and I want to read this, is Romans 8, 31 through 39. I don't know if we'll read it all. So this is Paul talking to the church at Rome. So what do you think? With God on your side like this, how can we lose? So putting this in a situation with David, and he says, so how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, Embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? God did his, the greatest act he came to become like us. Is there anything he wouldn't do? Is there one thing that God wouldn't do for you? Nothing. Can we be a David to face the giant in our own life? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare mess with you? Knowing the history of whose you are. You see, the enemy of our soul knows who you are. (laughs) He's not going to mess with you if you know who you are in Christ. Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us and who was raised to life for us is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love? Nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. So no matter what battle you face, no matter what difficulty you encounter, nothing can come between you and God. Nothing. The Goliaths of life, they're intimidating, but they will fall. Shall we stand? I got five stones here. Who wants one? (laughs) Go out and take down your giant. (laughs) So we all have giants. We all have difficulties. There's no one that doesn't have flaws in their character and flaws in who they are. God doesn't look at that. He chooses us because he he knows that we can take the battle to the enemy because we know his word. We know the word of God. The word of God, the blood of the lamb, and the word of our testimony destroys the enemy. So with that taken care of, now let's deal with the problems. (laughs) Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day and for your word, for your strength. God, we thank you that nothing can ever separate us from you. So, Lord, we enter into this agreement with you, this covenant, that, God, there is nothing impossible So we will face the day, we will face the difficulties, we will face the people. We will deal with them in a healing way. That God, that you will give us the wisdom and the victory as we go towards the enemy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.